Hi, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show author Lisa Perlman. Hi, Lisa. Hi. I was really intrigued by your new biography of prisoner rights activist, Faye Stender. Uh, It's called, uh, call me, is it Phaedra? Phaedra. Phaedra. So uh, tell me how this uh, project came about. It came about because I was on the board of California Women Lawyers, uh, which uh, is one of the founding members of. And every year since her death, they have given out an award to a woman, a lawyer, who emulates her commitment to underserved um, groups and uh, people who are uh, not... uh, majority of, of the community uh, finds uh, repugnant, like um, black militant uh, criminals. Unbelievable. Uh, and um, I was intrigued about her because of that. But then I got even more intrigued because I went to a judge's conference. I'm a retired judge, and at the time, I was still on the bench. And there was um, the first woman federal judge, um, chief judge in Northern California, I uh, knew her well, and when I asked her if she knew of any uh, women lawyers who ought to be on a list that was being uh, circulated of great trial lawyers, which had only two women on it, neither one of whom had ever actually done a jury trial, and I thought, this is absurd, men can't think of women's names, and she said Faye Stender, and so mm. I thought, I've got to research her life and find out more about her, because I knew very little about her career. I was going to ask you, uh, what are some interesting things that came about as a part of your research? I, I gained a lot of in-depth knowledge of activism in the 50s and 60s and 70s, which was centered in the Bay Area. The book is not just a biography. It's also uh, about the incredible efforts made by the circle that she was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I gained a lot of insights into her she was and what she was about, why she um, became um, a radical uh, lawyer, uh, given that she started out uh, on a career path to concert pianist. Unbelievable. Uh, so she's an wow. intriguing woman, um, extraordinarily talented, brilliant, and before her time in a lot of ways. But she wanted to change things. And I think it should resonate with a lot of young women today because there's so much that needs to be done. I wanted to bring up that uh, when I was doing a little research on having you on and this um, this book you wrote, I found an article in the New York Times from 1979, Black Convicts Linked to Plot to Kill Lawyer. And the article is by Wallace Turner, July 1st, 1979. This was unbelievable, this whole story about how um, somebody came to her house and she was shot six times, but she survived and she was paralyzed from the waist down. Right. She was shot in her home Memorial Day weekend, 1979. I read that article. Mm-hmm. Um, and she not only survived, but uh, she became the star witness for the prosecution when her whole career um, that she became famous for was representing defendants. Um, she was on the other side. Um, making sure that the man who shot her got convicted. Uh, so it was turned about that was also a front page um, uh, story uh, when she came to the trial. She had 24-hour police protection uh, because they were afraid that 
legitimately concerned about uh, further retaliation against her by a prison gang. What a tough lady. She was. You know, I mean... And there's some amazing incidents that uh, that you just can't believe, um, but happened. Yeah, do you want to share some things with me that, you know... Well, one of them, they're in the book, but one incident was when she she became the a lawyer for both Huey Newton and for George Jackson. George Jackson was an, um, very famous at the time as mm-hmm. this revolutionary prisoner who was in jail already, or prison actually, maximum security, for 10 years for a $71 uh, robbery, gas station robbery, when he was 18. Uh, and so there, uh, anyone else convicted of that would have been out years before. In any event, he was accused of uh, murdering a guard, and the first time she met him, he came out um, to, to the waiting room um, in shackles, shuffling along because his feet were chained together, his hands were chained together, and it was down around his crotch. Yeah. And she was shocked because they had never... Had done that when she represented Huey Newton and met him many times uh, while he was incarcerated. That never happened. And so she immediately, never having met him before, not even having decided to take the case, she uh, demanded that he be unchained. And they said, no, he's dangerous. And she said, well, that's only an allegation, essentially. Right. You, have, you know, he's in until proven guilty. I want him unchained. And when the guard wouldn't do it, she went to the his supervisor. And when his supervisor wouldn't do it, she marched down to the office of the head of the whole prison and made the same demand. And he refused. And she said, I'll take you to federal court. And she had not yet even decided to take the case. <laughs> Whoa. Like I said, tough lady. Yes. You know? Because what year was this? This is unheard of. That was uh, 1970. Mm-hmm. January 1970. And then she, when she met him and corresponded with him, she realized that his letters were extremely powerful, and she gathered letters to her and to his family and to others that he, with his permission, and she got them uh, edited by Random House in a book, The Prison Letters of George Jackson, that became an international bestseller. Incredible. Um, mm. Yeah. What else would you like people to know about your book? I How much I think it inspires people, I hope, to um, persevere. I dedicated the book uh, to women throughout history who have um, worked for social justice, about whom it could be said, nevertheless, she persisted. Oh, yes. So uh, I think we're in another time where that's important. I feel like this could be a wonderful documentary. Have there been any documentaries about her? Well, we're working on a documentary right now. It's not about her, but she's in it. It's about the 1968 Huey Newton trial, American Justice on Trial, People versus Newton, that made her famous. Uh, because what they did, she she worked with with co-counsel, her senior uh, partner, Charles Gary, America on trial for uh, the history of racism um, in jury trials, because the Constitution says you get a jury of one's peers, and a jury of one's peers was almost always all white men. Right. They wound up getting, um, they used experts to help them, and they wound up with the breakthrough jury of seven women and uh, four minorities, only two white men. There was one black man on that jury panel, and the jurors chose him. 
uh, a banker as their foreman, first black foreman of a major murder trial in America. And oh. that became a book the following year called Minimizing Racism and Jury Trials that became the Bible for criminal defense lawyers nationwide. And so when you look today to see a jury that's diverse, it got jump-started by this one trial where she worked 24-7 to make that happen. Amazing. It sounds like you learned so many things along the way. Uh, Is there anything else you feel people can learn from, you know, studying her? Well, she made uh, some judgment errors Mm -hmm. uh, that people would want to avoid. Um, I mean, she had a tragic life, um, ultimately. Uh, cut short. She was only 48 when she died. Um, but uh, the amount that one person can accomplish, or she accomplished with others, but just by herself, the amount that she accomplished was extraordinary. And it is really a lesson to us all. She died in Hong Kong. Yes, uh, she had. What happened at the end of the trial? She, the the man who shot her was convicted, and then she lost her police protection. It was only through the trial, mm-hmm. and she fled the country uh, with a nurse because she was still paralyzed from the waist down and uh, could not function without help. Um, and she committed suicide a few months later. Uh, she did not feel she could safely return to the states. She didn't think she had any other options, and she was in constant pain. Oh, that's so tragic. That is so tragic. Uh, what she, what the, at the funeral, which mm-hmm. was uh, her body was brought back to San Francisco, there were over 300 people at the funeral, including the Chief Justice Rose Byrd, who was another one of the early members of the California Women Lawyers and Nufay. Um, that event, people, I was not there, um, although I lived in the Bay Area, but people there all considered her to have been murdered. I mean, they, they conflated, saying yeah. this is really as a result of the shooting. Sure. I, I mean, absolutely. Her life was over yeah. to, a, to a degree after that. Right. Yeah. And I think she was emotionally distraught because she had spent so much time working on prisoners' rights issues. Not only did she represent George Jackson and Huey Newton, she went from there to class actions on behalf of maximum security prisoners throughout the state. And she had this amazing victory that that um, gave them access to counsel and, no, and written notice of hearings and for parole that had never occurred before. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, she had done all of this work. She had the biggest prisoner's rights office in the country for a couple of years. And here she was shot by someone who was an ex-felon. So tragic. And she never married? Oh, she was married. She was, she was married, married to Marcus Gender, and he's in the book also. Okay. They were both uh, very involved in uh, movement causes, and he was very supportive of all her legal work, but their marriage was uh, not, uh, not entirely uh, constant. Um, but they had two children, and they both doted on them. Um, she was married, and they were in the process of getting divorced, though, when she was I shot. I see. Did, do you know if the kids went on to study law or do anything in the law? Her son did, and, and he became a very accomplished uh, international lawyer, to my understanding. Uh, he was based in Hong Kong. He married his wife there and had two daughters. He's back in the States now. Incredible. Do you, do you feel like uh, there are some aspects of her that you can relate to as far as, you know, 
multitasking, doing so many different things? Absolutely, I can relate to her. I mean, she was, she came, she, she was Jewish, uh, I'm Jewish, mm-hmm. um, both clerked at the Cal Supreme Court. We both uh, were on the board of California Women Lawyers. Uh, we both lived, I've lived uh, over 40 years in the Bay Area, um, so I know where she came from. I know a lot of the people that she knew, and at this point, I've viewed over I, I over 70 different people who knew her and uh, some of whom I already knew um, in different contexts. And I've, I can relate a lot about um, who she was, what her background was, and the choices she made. It was still pioneering to be a woman lawyer. When I went to um, law school in 74, women were 2 or 3% of the legal population, and particularly in litigation, yeah. um, women were rare. They're still even rarer in criminal defense. Like what she did was extraordinary. Amazing. I just um, interviewed the film, the producer, one of the producers for the Ruth Bader Ginsburg film. Uh, that just oh, came yeah. Out. Yeah. It was amazing. Where can people find out more about you? Well, I have a, a web page, um, www.lisaperlman.com, and also a Facebook page author and speaker. Wonderful. Anything else you'd like listeners to know about you? I would love for them to know I'm producing this documentary project and uh, we want to educate high school, college, and law school students across country about the power of diversity um, to, um, re- to reform and fix the justice system, which is her passion and my passion. Fantastic. And we would love help on that, and there's a website there, too, www.americanjusticeontrial.com. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. This has been wonderful, and uh, this will be up on my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. It's my pleasure having you on. Thank you very much. Have a great day. If you missed any part of this, everything is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.